This episode is brought to you by Squarespace. Start building your website today at squarespace.com. Enter offer code REALSIMPLE at checkout to get 10% off. Squarespace. Build it beautiful. to Adulthood Made Easy, a podcast from Real Simple Magazine that will not only help you navigate real life, but win at real life. I'm your host, Sam Zabel. And as a 20-something, if you're anything like me, you probably struggle with balance, with making time to put in the extra hours at work and cook yourself healthy meals and sleep a good amount and stay caught up with your shows. And on top of that, make time for your family and your friends, your sounding boards, your support system. Whether that means you're keeping in touch with friends who have become scattered across the country or you're making new friends or at work or through roommates, it's something I think about and honestly struggle with often. We can take our old friends for granted and lose touch, and we struggle to find new friends, friends with deep connections, not just those on-the-surface fitness pals or people you love to run into at a bar. So to discuss friendship and all of the awesome things and challenges that come with a really good friend in the real world, I have two really special guests who are actually with me here in the studio. The first is my real-life friend, Grace. She works with me at Real Simple, and she was one of my first real-world friends my age, someone I stalked on Facebook like you would a first date, someone who's seen me at my grumpiest, who's provided advice, and who's let me wear her clothes. She's the real deal. And then we have a friendship expert, Shasta Nelson, who we were so lucky to catch in New York as she does her press tour for her newest book, Friendtimacy. She's also the founder of GirlfriendCircles.com, a female friendship matching site, and she says we need a broader definition of intimacy, one that takes into account the power of friendship. And I agree. So welcome, Grace, first. Hi, thanks for having me. Hi, Grace, and welcome, Shasta. Yay. So this is a special episode because Grace and I... I mean, like I said, we've only been friends for feels like forever. But we've only been <laughs> eight months, but it really does. It feels like it feels like much Yay. longer. We actually have a weird story, which is that Grace started at Real Simple about a year after I started. But funnily enough, she was someone who we share a really close mutual family friend. So it was funny, like a few months before she moved, I didn't know she was starting at Real Simple. I didn't know she was coming to New York. One of my really, really dear family friends was like, Oh, do you need a roommate? I know this girl who's moving. And I was like, oh, I don't. I regret that now. But I was like, oh, I don't, whatever. And I like brought her in for her interview. I like didn't think anything of it. And then she got the job. And then that same family friend called me and was like, oh, so funny. She just got a job. She's moving to New York. And all of a sudden, like the pieces started falling together. And I was wow. like, wait a minute. So I just feel yeah. like we were meant to be. And, and obviously, I'm, I was applying for the job. So I'm looking up all the different people who work at Real yeah. Simple and have, have, have all the different positions there. And I see the name Sam Zabel. And I'm like, why does that sound so familiar? And then I'm like, I figure it out. And then I'm, I'm like, on my first day, is it awkward <laughs> if I'm like, I know you? Or like, I think yeah. I might have gone to your sister's bat mitzvah when we were 13. <laughs> yeah. like, and so. I was like, of course, I was like, I mean, I've already looked through your entire Instagram. <laughs> I've looked you up on Facebook. I know, I've, you know, like your job history, like I've gotten the lowdown. <laughs> and I think, though, so I grew up in Cincinnati and Sam grew up in Cleveland. And I yeah. think that Ohio connection, because we have a lot of Ohio pride. And yeah. Ohio sometimes doesn't get the best rep. And people well, I was just going to say the research is showing with friendship that we often are not good predictors of who we'll be friends with because we 
think we need to have this big thing in common that if I'm Democrat, I need I can only be friends with Democrats or if I'm a mom, you know, yeah. this kind of thing. And it's actually research is showing that if we can find two or three things we have in common, what we would call smaller things. So both being from Ohio, both having this mutual friend, like yeah. both working in the same industry. Right. Like immediately you're already those are the things they would say are better predictors of friendship is how if you can find quantity yeah. of commonalities matter more than what those actual commonalities are. So just in five minutes, you're naming all kinds of them. <laughs> I know. Right. We always talk about it. We're like, and now we're friends. <laughs> so what, what's funny, I think, about Grace is that I'd made friends with my coworkers, but I hadn't really found someone who was like at a similar life stage as yes. me. Like you moved here, Grace, and I was like, oh, she's my age. Like she's new to New York. And like I felt a lot of the same ways, whereas a lot of my friends are older or, you know, had husbands or fiancés. And I was like, here's someone who's single like me and young like me and living in an apartment with like fake walls like me. Like it's just, <laughs> she's so similar. Yay. And so it was my first I always say she was like my first like big kid friend. Like she was my first real world <laughs> friend. I talk talked about her like nonstop. Well, I like, think especially in New York, you kind of need that person to just relate to because there are so many things that your friends other places might not oh, really get. Don't like, get at all. What do you do when some guy sits next to you on the subway and you can't handle his smell or the things <laughs> that like to anyone else they're like deal with it or like I don't know what you're talking about. What's the subway? But like in New yeah. York, it's just like I got you, girl. I've been through that. Yeah, there's a different level. <laughs> And I'm curious because we talked about you, Shastar, the founder of Girlfriend Circles, which we said is like a matching site. So this idea of helping like adults make friends, yeah. are, is that a struggle for people? Like, Absolutely. Why it's is it a struggle? A, it's a real struggle because it felt so automatic when we were kids. We make the assumption that it just came so easily. And it's usually not that friendship came so easily, but one of the three requirements of friendship is consistency. And consistency happened automatically when we were kids. Like we went to school together. We, right. we slept in the same cabin at summer camp. Like whatever those things are, totally. we saw each other all the time. So it allowed this the automatic of being together. Whereas when you're becoming an adult, we have to do a lot more initiating, asking each other out, like trying to schedule. And mm -hmm. so all those things kind of break up that consistency. And that's why uh, working together is still the number one way to make friends because the consistency is built in. You don't have to be doing this like, oh, I asked her out last time and now it's her turn. And you just simply are seeing each other every day and getting to know each other and becoming more familiar so that by the time you're doing stuff outside the office, there's a familiarity and a comfortableness that you two have obviously developed. Yeah. Yeah. And then the important thing is what really trips up a lot of a lot of us is that then we become really good friends at work and we get our feelings hurt when we change jobs and we're not staying close to those people. And that's because if we never practice being friends outside of that environment, we stepped out of the container, whatever that container is, whether college was the container or that first job or that internship, whatever that thing is that our boyfriends or best friends, you know, that kind of a thing. When you step out of that container, if you've never practiced being friends outside of that area of commonality, then the friendship has never, you know, has, has to start all over kind of if you want it, if it's intentional and you want to do that. But otherwise, um, that's one of the big things. So if you two want to keep staying friends, like what you're doing is so great because you're hanging out outside of that and your friendship sounds like it will survive even if one of your jobs changes and you move on. Oh, it's terrifying. I don't, like about, <laughs> I don't like thinking about change. But I think a good point that you made is like hanging out outside of work. And something people always ask me about like Grace and our friendship is like, how are you such good friends with one of your coworkers? Like, do you ever feel like it gets awkward? Like if something awkward happens at work or how do you like navigate that? And I mean, I feel like we've done a good job, but I also do feel like it's with any friendship. There are like certain topics that you just like kind of like we leave work at work a lot of times or like you kind of know to keep certain things to yourself. But it's like you wouldn't any friendship, a friend that just broke up with her boyfriend. You wouldn't be like, oh, I met all these great guys or a friend right. who's. I don't know, gluten-free, you wouldn't be like, I had an awesome sandwich. I don't know. 
<laughs> or I didn't have a lot of examples in my head ready to go for that. We got your idea. We're yeah. good. <laughs> but I mean, how do you like, is there anything that you've seen, Shasta, that's a difference between like navigating all these, di- you know, in the real world, there's a lot, there's many more ways you can make a friend. So navigating those taboo topics or navigating like any awkwardness? What's that like? Yeah, absolutely. And I do think that the closer we get to to a friend, so when we're first meeting somebody, it's usually there's one or two areas of commonality that we kind of talk about, you know, so for meeting friends from the same college we went to, we kind of start with what we have in common or what we can find in common. And the hope is that as we're building a deeper friendship, that more and more territory is covered. So we're gluing together more parts of our life. So we don't just talk about fashion, but we also talk about theater. And we also talk about what we, what we, who we, where we used to grow up and what our family is like. And we also talk about, and so we want to start covering more and more areas of that friendship so that ultimately, like what I talk about is friendtimacy, which is friendship intimacy. The hope, and we won't get there with everybody, but the intention is that with a few people, we get to a place where we don't have to worry that there are taboo subjects, mm. that we don't have to like feel like, oh, I don't know if I should bring that up. And we have to get to the place where we practice saying, I'm going through a breakup and you're still dating. And we have to figure out a way to be able to support both of those lives right now. And we have to figure out how to celebrate you and mourn and grieve for me. Mm-hmm. And so we can't do that with everybody. You're right. If we're just a social life with people, then we need to be much more sensitive to the areas of subject. But the hope for all of us, you know, when we think about being with best friends, is that there shouldn't be subjects that are off limits or taboo or that we can't trust ourselves to navigate that through. And so I think most of us find ourselves wanting to be build those kinds of relationships ultimately. But I think you're right. That takes time. That takes a history. That takes us practicing. That takes trust getting built up. And that's not something we just dive right in without sensitivity. And when you work together, especially, you have to be even more cognizant of having a lot of respect for the boundaries that will help protect that friendship and protect what you both that you both work together and stuff. Yeah. How How do you think we've done with that? I think we've done pretty well. I think we've done really well. And I think that's like what you were saying. We have these things in common outside of work. So, you know, when we are hanging out on the weekend or when we're doing something with my roommates and, you know, or we're watching an award show with your friends and just meeting each other's friend groups, I think there's so much going on. There's new people to meet and there's so many new topics that we can talk about that we can leave work at the office and it doesn't have to be kind of this awkward issue. So I agree. And And it it would be a good friendship bonding conversation to have if you haven't had it yet is to have the conversation about what about what we can and can't talk about and what that looks like you know I I hired a friend of mine last year and before I hired her I had we had a great conversation of like what's the scariest thing about working for me you know like and and so what are you most worried about what would be the worst case scenario we could picture Uh, what can we do to help protect our friendship what part are you excited about Um, is there anything we need any extra boundaries we need to put into place or expectations to make sure that you know have these conversations it was actually really bonding as friends to say we can trust each other to have this conversation about our relationship. And that's a whole level psychologists are saying is it's one thing to have a relationship and then it's another deepening to talk about our relationship. So in dating, we do this. You know, we have to have the talk about where we're at. And so we talk about our relationship. And with girlfriends, uh, it's often easy to kind of skip that or avoid that and feel like that's too much. But for developing friends, I think it's a great thing to be able to, to talk about the friendship, which the two of you sound like you're doing and assessing. And the very fact that you just said, how do you think we're doing that? <laughs> yeah. you know, I mean, that's awesome. <laughs> right. And actually have these conversations of what would that look like if one of us got promoted to the job that the other one wanted? So what would we do there? How do we practice that? And like almost doing the scenarios ahead of time where you actually can trust yourself. There's less fear now because you've actually talked about it and processed it and kind of seeing how you would deal with that is awesome, I think. Totally. I mean, I really feel like 
friendship, but female friendship in general, and I've said this before, is having like just like this big power moment where it's like people aren't just looking to have like friends anymore. Like I said, someone you'd go to a bar with or whatever, like people are really looking for that quote unquote, that squad, like that group of girls, like that girl power, that women empower women, that group of like real support system, not just people you text or whatever. And I think something Grace and I were talking about on our way over here is social media and how like it's great that I have all these friends that live in Chicago or D.C. or Philly and I can Snapchat them once a day or like their Instagram and feel like we have points of contact. But I worry that these people who were such strong friends of mine in college or from home, how do you maintain that strong, powerful female intimacy fr- mm-hmm. friendship when people are kind of scattered all over the place? Or like Grace said, like, you know, she has her roommates and then we have my friends and like people have groups now. It's not just we're all in one dorm anymore. So you know, true. how do we have those really strong friendships everyone wants when, you know, we might not live in the same place or we might have different work hours? Like, how do you keep that going? Yeah, it's a great question. Research is showing we are replacing half our close friends every seven years. So I usually say that number and people are like, what? I don't think so. And then you think, who were you confiding in seven years ago? And if you were to think of the three to four women that you said you were closest to, chances are high that you're that you are confiding in, you know, at least two or three of those women are different now. And it just goes to show that even seven years from now, there's so many life changes and all of these, you know, getting married and having kids and moving and changing jobs. Each of those provides an opportunity for some friendship shift. And so I think what the challenge that all of us are constantly trying to to kind of balance is how to keep up this social network from all around the country so that if you move to Chicago, there are friendships there you could still right. pick up. You know, I mean, there is huge value in, in having that broader network. And But I agree completely. Most of us are at the place now where we recognize the limitations of we're not just wanting to be ne- more networked and know more people. We actually mm-hmm. want to be known by a fewer people. And so it's trying to figure out who is that handful that I'm going to invest the most intention in in developing deeper friendships. And most of us report feeling happiest with three to five people that we feel like are there for us. And so most of us wouldn't want all of those people to be long distance. You'd have to be pretty on the, you know, on the phone every night, like really yeah. staying in touch. And so you're right. It's trying to find that kind of mix in the local group that you can do. But uh, research is also showing that your two best friends only have a 50% chance of having ever met each other. So this oh, it's almost like a fantasy for us to have this, I want this squad, I want this group where we just all hang out and the four of us all know each other. It's actually really, really rare because we usually have this group of friends here, this group of friends here, this group of friends here, and our friends have different groups of friends. So there's not this, there's not this like little group as easily anymore. It's kind of a bit of a a rare unicorn out there. That doesn't mean it can't happen and we can't like kind of create pieces of that and pockets of that, but it's not the norm that would be considered the standard that everybody else has except us. And I think that's important because it's so easy to, isn't it, to think I'm the only one that doesn't have this. Yeah. You were just talking about I'm just, that. I, I was like, don't, I'm looking at you to be like, don't you feel so much better right now? Yeah, exactly. Like, I, I feel so much better thinking that, oh, unicorn. I don't have to super glue all my friends together. Yeah. Because that's something that I've kind of always struggled with because I have a twin sister and we're not competitive, you know, in, in most ways. But, you know, sometimes there's a jealousy component. And in, in college, she kind of immediately just had this really close group of friends and they lived together the rest of college. A lot of them live here. They're all friends with each other. And it feels like it's this like strong core group. And I've always kind of been more of the person. I had some friends in my sorority in college. I was on the dance team. Like they didn't always know each other. I met people through the school newspaper. Mm-hmm. And I felt like so I involved. had a lot of good. <laughs> Those are all my college activities. Um, but 
you know, I felt like I had a lot of good friendships, but sometimes it's easy to feel like you have fewer friends almost if they're not friends with each other because you see these groups of girls all going out together, getting lunch together, and maybe you're just with one person. And I think, you know, it's it's easy to feel like for whatever reason your friendships, you know, aren't as meaningful or something. Yeah, when not no, we do. We, we put so much shame on ourselves, don't we, in this area of friendship. I think it's, I run into it all the time, the worrying if we're being left out or FOMO or thinking some, right. we're not good enough. And, you know, I mean, I think that's such a disservice we do to ourselves. And um, and the truth of the matter is there's a lot of lot to be said for us being happier if we have friends in each of the different places we frequent. So to go to church or to go to back home or to go to work or to go to dance, you know, these different places we're actually happier having and they don't have to be best friends in each of those locations but we are actually happier knowing that we can go in and have people that we are friendly with right. and feel like we have a friendship there we are more likely to enjoy that activity if we have friends and know people there so there's something to be said about developing friendships in these different pockets and these containers the invitation to you grace would be if um, at hopefully as you're developing these friendships over the time would be that you would want them to start meeting each other if they're local. So at your birthdays right. and at your events right. and at your gatherings, that's where we start creating that feeling of a net a little bit more. So it doesn't mean that these five friends will be a group and that this will be their best friends, but where your friends hopefully at some point get to the place where like, oh, yeah, I've met her and I know her. Right. And, oh, yeah. And say hi to her. And where we where we know each other's friendships and can like. I view my girlfriends when I meet their friends like, oh, these are the other women who love you. And like if something happens to you, like I'm going to know them and we're going to be there for you. And so it's great to meet their friends and to feel like you're bonding in that way, too. So that will be exciting for you when you start feeling yeah. as you're pulling those people together. It's a really good feeling, I think, when your friends meet each other. Yes. And then they get along. And yes. And you're like, this is just so exciting. Feels like magic. <laughs> yeah. Like I live I live with my sister and then one of my friends and then our fourth roommate is my sister's roommate from college. So my friend, Amanda, and Maddie's roommate, Elizabeth, met for the first time after we decided to live together. So, I mean, we're yeah. just hoping that it worked out. But obviously, and I'm sure there's some science or something to this, but the fact that they were both friends with us. Yeah, helps. might have meant that they're Absolutely. like transitive, <laughs> exactly. Or like that. And so just seeing them, like just the two of them, will go out and do something. Or my sister and I were away this weekend. We came back and they were telling us everything they did, and it's just so fun that now you know they formed this strong friendship. Absolutely, too. and we want to know our friends' friends. You know, you think about being at their wedding, and you don't want to be the only person. You only know the bride. You want to know some of her other friends. Right. You know, and so it is really important to be doing that, and, and that helps glue the friendship together. If we want the friendship to last beyond this container of whatever we have in common, living together, working together, we have to start meeting each other's friends so that we are starting to say more of our life is connected. And when this changes, we still, even when we don't live together, it's okay because we still have done all, we, we're used to going away for the weekend together. And so there's this pattern that you can still kind of pick up and engage in that friendship with. Right. So I'm so glad we have Grace today because whenever I talk about Squarespace, the website that I have in my brain, Grace, is yours, which is the website I stalked before we became friends. And before I knew you, you have a gorgeous website for your own stuff. And, you know, you're a food blogger and it's a great thing. So tell us about tell us about using Squarespace for that. Yeah, I just think as a journalist, it was really important for me to have people go to a visually compelling website and be able to see the photos I've taken or the covers of the magazines I've written for, and I've been able to use Squarespace for my personal portfolio, but also it's so easy to toggle back and forth with my food blog. So, you know. Oh, your food blog is built on Squarespace yes, too? Yes, exactly. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So you have two beautiful websites that I want all the time, <laughs> and they're both gorgeous. And I specifically remember looking at your personal site being like, 
did she have someone does she know someone that's no a i coder? mean it is the easiest thing to use i could not stress that enough and her food blog is double dash time.com and that's t-h-y-m-e yes she, it's with her twin sister so it's a little play on words but <laughs> it's a gorgeous site like all squarespace sites they all look professionally designed like i said and you don't need to know any coding and their tools are super easy to use and you get a free domain name if you sign up for a year which just makes the site look extra professional right So you can start your free trial site today at squarespace.com. And when you decide to sign up for Squarespace, just make sure you use the offer code real simple to get 10% off your first purchase. Squarespace, build it beautiful. Okay, this is great, but I have to put a damper on things. And that's to say that Grace and I both, another similarity with us in our friendship is that we both have friends that are scattered across the country. I've said this many times before that I have a lot of friends in Chicago or just not in New York. And Grace, I'm curious what it's been like for you in this first year to have your twin sister, Maddie, have so many close friends from college that moved to New York, whereas you don't. And what right. that's been like for those friends and, and your life. I think there's been a lot of pros and cons. I think that, you know, when you're transitioning from high school to college, there's a lot of people that are kind of helping you with the transition. Everyone recognizes it's this big time in your life. You know, you're working with your high school friends to figure out how you're going to stay in touch and where they're going to be across the country. But I found that the transition out of college, like I wasn't prepared for it. And no one really like talks about the friendship angle. Everyone's so concerned with, you know, the city you're moving to and what job job. you're going to have. But I found myself, I lived in Birmingham last year, my first year out of college, and I just was, like, having so much trouble figuring out how often I was going to talk to my friends, how I was going to see them when I was in Birmingham. They were in Maryland and Vermont and Philadelphia and California. And also just, yeah, kind of those friendships in college, too, that you had classes with those people and you saw them all the time. But now that you don't have that obvious place where you're seeing them, that kind of container, you know, there's people that I spent every day with in college that I haven't talked to since. And then you start wondering, is that my fault? Like, should I have done something different? And so I think and then in New York, it's like you kind of only want to talk on the phone when it's convenient for you. Right. You've had such a busy day. The last thing I want to do is finally get to my apartment and then have an hour-long phone call. Mm -hmm. But I would love to have an hour-long phone call if I have to walk someplace for an hour and need to kill time. But that's not always convenient for my friends. So it's definitely been a little bit tricky. And, you know, I'm planning a couple trips in the spring to go see my friend in Philly and see my friend in Vermont. And for me, I'm just someone that seeing someone in person is makes all, such a difference. is always going to be the best. And I will say what you said about those friends that you had in college that you now don't talk to. I was just talking to someone about this the other night that I feel like my definition of a friend has become I I use it much more carefully now that I've graduated college. Like people will ask me, "Oh, are you friends with Susie Q who like yeah, we connected a lot in college, the same thing. We had a ton of classes together, whatever. And I would have called her a friend. And now I'm thinking in my head, like, really, the only people I say are my friends are the people that, like, I reach out to when I'm in trouble or I really make an effort. Like, it's just my definition of friend, I feel like, has become more precious and has narrowed a lot since I've graduated because it's like now I really see, like, who's there for me when I'm going through a job crisis or who was there when I thought there were cockroaches in my apartment (laughs) and I've 
flipped out about it or like exactly who's inviting me over to to brunch and doing brunch parties with them. I mean, do you see that like your definition Shasta d- narrows as you get older and it becomes when you a mature. Different... So I yeah. wouldn't say it happens for everyone when they get older. I'm oh my so God, we're happy to hear that. <laughs> I never hear <laughs> that. That's never it's happened. It's a really, to me. really great thing to have you say because we live in a culture where the word friend has actually become so broad. It's like everyone's friends on Facebook, and you know, we just are this. It's almost this just too big of a word. And I am always distinguishing the difference between people we are friendly with versus people we've developed a friendship with. And those are vastly different. And so all three of us could just love each other today and hang out and just like be here all afternoon and just, oh, so connected. <laughs> and yet we are not friends. We were we had a friendly time together, and this is not a friendship. A friendship is the, are those people. There's three things that have to be present for a friendship. It has to be a relationship that has more reward than cost. It's got to be positive. It's got to have laughter. It's got to have, I mean, we, we all want friends because we want the joy factor. We want to be able to, um, none of us woke up this morning saying, I just want some more needy, whiny, complaining people in my life who make me feel like I'm never doing enough, you know? So yeah. we want the reward. It's got to be there. It has to be have some level of consistency. So if it's just somebody we saw once and we like them, we may have had fun with them, but if we're not seeing them regularly, it's not a friendship. And the third thing is it's got to have increased sharing, revealing, or vulnerability as a component to it, too. So if you only have two of those three, and this is what my whole book is about because knowing how to develop each of those three is so important. And we would have all three of those in a, even in a new friendship. But then if you want to go deeper, it's having to figure out how to like kind of amp up those three and start moving it toward. Because a friendship is completely, you are so right, it's only those people that I am practicing these three things with on a regular basis. And if I'm not doing these three things with this person, then this is not, this is just somebody I like. This is somebody I work with. This is somebody who we have a friendly relationship, but it is not a friendship. And it's something my mom always said to me, which is like, you can't be like, you can't love everyone and you can't be friends with everyone. Mm -hmm. Like it's it becomes stressful. And I'm sure Grace would agree to try to like say, okay, I know 15 people in the city and I want to try to have drinks with one one night and the three of us will go to dinner. And then I I didn't see them. And then people get frustrated because we didn't come to there. I mean, we've talked about this before. She's like, Grace is like nodding. (laughs) And like it's it's really tough when you assume everyone is on an equal level. Exactly. And they're not. And even like birthdays, not everybody's equal crises. You know, I mean, we shouldn't be expected to be there with the chicken noodle soup for every single person we know when they're sick, so to speak. You know, so it is we do need to figure out how to keep that social life going. But we've got to prioritize the three or four or whatever number works for each person that these are the women that I am there for. And these are the ones who get first dibs on my time. These are the ones who I say no to this big, you know, ubiquitous group of all of my social life and all my friends in order to prioritize these three or four. And when I have extra time, I'm trying to show up in these other relationships. But to be aware of who it is you're actually saying these are the ones I'm developing a friendship with that I am confiding in that I am showing up for and supporting and will be there and feeling committed to these women we have to do that or else we you're right you're you could be busy every night of the week and then start all over on this on the rotation right and it'd be like three weeks in between times with right. people and Grace would t- you'll probably ask this better than I do but <laughs> we talked a little bit about like out who what do you do with those people that you outgrow or mm-hmm. that you kind of you can grace you can speak to this yeah. better than i can so i think recently and in the 7 years thing that you were talking about totally makes sense to me now but you know i've always felt so lucky that my very best friends were the friends that i met when i was in kindergarten and i went to a pretty small school and so really close knit friendships and to this day my best friend heidi now lives in the city and you know i met her when i was 5 but we also had this group of other friends who i stayed really close with through college 
And now it's kind of getting to the point where when I go home, it's stressful to see them. It's that joy thing. It's like I'm trying to read my emotions and I'm like, is the fact that this is stressing me out to try and see them or I'm not super excited? Like maybe that's a sign. And, you know, at this point, I don't go home very often. So when I do go home, you know, I really value mm-hmm. my time. I want to spend it with my family and people that I love. And it's hard, though, because it's some it's friends that I would never consider not staying in touch with. But it is kind of like at what point is this not worth like the anxiety it's causing. Yeah. How do you handle the friends you need to drop? Yeah. And that's a hard stage right there because it is that going home and realizing I can't give everything. I I have family. I have people that are prioritizing over this. And some of that might be that the positivity is may not may or may not be lacking. Some of that may be that the consistency has lacked so much that the time together is more updating and information exchanging information as opposed to really sharing and connecting. It's almost like we start over every time because it's just kind of like, what's been new with you? The vulnerability is so low in those moments that you don't leave there feeling really fulfilled. Right. And so the invitation for you is to try to figure out, are these women that I would want to keep in my life on some level where we have this, this much history and what would be kind of to put it crassly, what would be the bare minimum that I could do to stay in touch with them where if I were to ever move back or we lived in the same city, we don't feel like we've burned any bridges. We still could name ourselves as, oh, yes, childhood friends, love them. But I don't need to feel obligation to still treat them as my current best friends of the moment. And so in our heads, making the distinguishing difference between these are the current best friends and these are women I will always love and thank because we were childhood best friends and not needing to treat those as the same. I think, yeah, even learning that... I can distinguish between the two, and that's okay, mm-hmm. and it's okay for Absolutely. me not to consider them currently my best friends, but to still have a relationship with them. I think keeping that in yeah. mind. And I would err on the side in those moments of just giving so much affirmation to them more than my time, you know? So, oh my goodness, I love you. I wish I could come back and just spend the whole weekend with you. Unfortunately, this is a weekend for family, and I don't think I'm going to be able to have time to see all my friends. My loss, I'm going to so miss you, you know, so where the relationship still has the feel of positivity and warmth, but where you are being clear on what you're on your priorities right. in a loving way. That's really helpful. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, mean, I, I think it's interesting because something you said is like, if you go back, you could reconnect. And I think you kind of think that like if you not if you drop is like way too harsh, but if you kind of outgrow a friend or or f- yeah, deprioritize a friend that it could never become a really great friendship again. And I guess on the topic of your seven years, like it really could. And I think of a friend from mine from home that we definitely went through a phase where we were both at college and and we just never talked to each other. And I'll be in her wedding in the fall. And like we we just made the time exactly what it was. We made the time. We hit a place in our life where we both needed each other. And it's, you know, there's no friendship that it's like it's done forever. Exactly. Unless, of course, and you can speak to this, they are a toxic friend. And why don't we talk a little bit about that and, and what that looks like? Yeah, and there are times where we have to end those friendships. So what I would say is one of the more important things, though, is to realize not every friendship it doesn't have to be all or nothing. I think so often we go through life being like, is this a best friend? If not, then nothing. You know, and we yeah. don't have to go dumping <laughs> yeah. people. We can say, look, on a scale of 1 to 10, how meaningful is this friendship? So the two of you might have a relationship that's 9 or 10, and that's great. 15. Awesome. <laughs> 20. 25. <laughs> Do I have a 30? Do I have a 30? <laughs> so, but that doesn't mean that it's not still valuable to have 
friends who are fives and sixes on that scale. And it doesn't mean that one person's better than another. We're not judging the quality of those friends or how much we like them. We're just judging what we practice with them, the three behaviors. And so it's great to have a whole live in a city where you have a whole bunch of fives or sixes because you never know where life will pass, where you both have something more in common that will push that forward. So I'm a very big fan of recognizing that friendships ebb and flow. We want to burn bridges as rarely as possible and end relationships as rarely as possible. And instead, just demote them or recognize in our head that there's a differing expectation. And so I won't confide as much or I won't prioritize that person as much. And that's really important for most of us to realize that we don't have to it's not it's not 10 or zero yeah. <laughs> on the friendship thing. But you've, you've heard about I mean, I've I feel like there's been a lot of talk about like a toxic friend, someone who bails on you a lot or someone who maybe you confide in and they they don't they, they aren't loyal and they tell your secrets or something like that. So how can you tell if that's a friendship you should deprioritize because they're going through a phase and they're whatever or they're like a they've become a really just, they've changed too much and it needs to be over. Yeah. So I teach the friend-to-missy triangle um, in the book Friend-to-missy, which is, has these three things. So again, it's positivity, consistency, and vulnerability. And I can guarantee that any friendship that is not feeling meaningful right now, it's because one of those three areas has been eroded or mm-hmm. has not grown. And so what if we could look at in any of our friendships, so some of the examples you just named, it's positivity that's dropped out if they're always flaking, or that would be consistency's dropped out because mm-hmm. they're always flaking, so that one's eroded. So Sometimes it's they're always complaining, they're whiny, they're needy, so positivity's dropped out. Other times, if they're not if they're not protecting what you've shared with them, that would be the vulnerability has dropped out. So it's not a safe place to share. So in any of our friendships, I have a rule of thumb that the more we've practiced being friends with this person, the more time we've invested the more they're worth the effort of us trying to repair that friendship before oh. walking away. So if I've just met you and you're flaky and you're whiny and you're crazy, <laughs> then I'm probably not going to put too much time into trying to fix well, that friendship. Yeah. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> so I'm not going to like go bend over backwards to like try to make this friendship work. But if you're somebody who we've been friends with for several years, then or you know we've really had fun together, you're somebody I would have named as one of my best friends, then that's worth the awkwardness, in my opinion, of saying, okay, we need to have this conversation about the flakiness because we can't be friends if we're never getting together. Mm-hmm. And so what can we do to repair that? And it, to me, it's always worth repairing because intimacy happens on the back end of tough conversations, of unmet expectations, of us learning how to go through that stuff together. What do you think makes it so much more difficult, in my opinion, or awkward to have these types of intimacy yes. conversations with friends than with a, someone you're in a relationship I with? I know. We do it for romance. And we may not enjoy doing it, but we do it. But yeah, it's easier it in is some ways. Because we have protocol. We have like the expectation that we it should be some work. We understand in romance that we will fight and we will feel safer with that person because we survived fights and because we've handled some of these. And we know we our brains understand that we need to have these tough conversations to, to build that trust with each other. But with our friendships, we have we have we have had so much folklore, I would call it, of like friendships just being rah, 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 you need girlfriends and they're fun and they're there for you. And we just almost act like it should come with ease and that if there's drama, it means it's not a good friendship. And so we have this culture right now that is just dismissing almost like just get an updated iPhone, like go get a new friend, you know, like yeah, they're bad, right. they're bad, they're annoying. And we have all these women saying, I don't do drama, and we just kind of like act as if this is the problem problem of these people we're making friends with. And I'm very, I'm often saying when we aren't, when a friendship isn't going well, it's usually not because she's not the right person or the right friend. It's that something, the friendship hasn't been developed right. And one of these three things is missing. And that doesn't mean we can repair every friendship and we don't need to. But I believe, I call our friendships our 
are like our gyms for our personal growth. Like there are health clubs mm-hmm. where we go in and it sh- you should expect to sweat a little bit when you go to the gym. You should expect to grow. This is where you grow. This is where you practice. And we should be practicing on our friends more than – I mean, if we want to be women who show up in this world – able to speak what we need to say, able to forgive quickly, able to be compassionate, all the things we value. It should be in our friendships that we're practicing this and building those muscles up. I love that. I really love that. And that's a great excuse for me not to go to the gym today. (laughs) And that's just, I just think that's such a positive, great note to end on, especially because I do think that we should value our friendships as a place for personal growth and not be afraid. And Grace and I have had our moments where we've like hit awkwardness or like been, on, you know what I mean? And like, obviously we're here and I've dragged her into the studio. So I think you can survive this, yeah. you can survive any. Exactly. Like we, it's not like we've been like sunshine and rainbows for a year. Like right, we've had yeah. our moments. And I think it, it always helps. I mean, in most life situations, like talking it out. I will say the one I remember, I know we're both thinking of the same thing, like that one night that we had a little bit of an issue from something that like came up at work and like remember do you I don't want to like go into it we did have like we had it was like super early on and it was like something came up at work that sort of Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was like really awkward. And, and the we were first texting, thing I, and yeah. then we were like, we got to talk. Yeah, the out. first thing I did was I picked up the phone. I was like Good. at dinner with someone, and I was like, I need to go deal with this. <laughs> and it was like early on, I was like, this, no, no this is a friend on. of mine, and like, I'm not going to let this like mess things up early Good on. And you. we picked up the phone, and and we're here today. And I was like, we're never, she's never going to speak to me again. And like, <laughs> now she's on the podcast. So I think that that's maturity again. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, we're going to have to tell everyone at work. Yeah, that we've never told been told we're mature. So, yeah. Really excited. Exciting. Got to promote this episode hard. <laughs> yeah, really. Well, thanks, Grace, for coming in and and, and letting me drag you and our friendship into the spotlight <laughs> and all of your other me. friendships. And Shasta, thank you so much. You're I so feel welcome. like this was like a therapy session. This yes. felt so oh. great. And people can buy your new book, Friendtimacy, at their local bookstore on Amazon, and they can look up your site, girlfriendcircles.com. So best of luck with the rest of your book thank tour. You. And thank you both so much. Thank you so much for joining me today for another episode of Adulthood Made Easy. If you have questions or topics you'd like me to cover in the future, just tweet them to me at Sam Zabel and I'll add them to my list. And if you're enjoying the show, don't forget to review and subscribe in iTunes. I'd like to thank our engineer, Kristen Meinzer, and our editor, Tim Einenkel. I'm Sam Zabel, and I'll see you next time.